to Law Enforcement Today, the podcast. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. I'm a radio broadcaster and also retired Baltimore police sergeant. In every Law Enforcement Today podcast, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about issues that affect law enforcement officers, both active and retired, their families, friends, and supporters. We'll also be discussing incidents in the news from the perspective of those in law enforcement. Be sure to check out our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and please take the time to like and follow us on Facebook. Search for Law Enforcement Today. Again in the studios, the luxurious radio broadcasting studios. Wait, let me let me put my lazy boy back up from its well, reclining yeah, I position. Go that far. Okay. I, I gotta say this. You know, my day job is in radio and my bosses at Glades Media allow us to use one of their radio station studios that's not being occupied. So that's one of the ways that we can talk to guests from anywhere in the United States. So it's really, really appreciated. And they do an awesome them. job. And we thank them and this is a very luxurious freezer box that I'm yeah. sitting in. Uh, and you're complaining about the cold. No, I'm not complaining. It could be worse. When you were walking into the radio station. It's hot. And you were you were saying, with some expletives, it's blank and blank and hot. Correct. <laughs> it's, he was sweating. So joining us on the phone from Texas, Jimmy Meeks. Jimmy, how are you? I'm doing good. Thank you, sir, for having me on. No, call me sir, man. Wow. I was just <laughs> thinking about that the other day because I was at... Uh, I think like one of the grocery stores and I was walking out. It's actually it a Walmart. I had to get some groceries and they had the security guy on the outside and he's, I said, have a nice day. He goes, you too, sir. And I'm thinking, what do you call me sir for? Number yeah, one, well, I'm not that old. Well, what, I was what just age? told all my life, you, you treat elderly people a certain way. Oh, he called you yeah, so I'm not <laughs> that old. Forgive me, John. I, I want to apologize. What I'm yeah. saying, sir. Well, number one, I think to myself, I'm not that old. And number two, I wasn't a member of the command staff. I was a sergeant. So I was like, well, call me sir. Yeah, uh, but you know, he, I get that too now, and I'm just wondering, is there a certain age? Do you have to have a gray hair before people start calling you sir? Well, I, I think know. about a week in police work, you've earned the right to be called sir. Yeah, oh, there you go. That's, that's probably good. <laughs> so you said a week in police work, you actually did 35 years. Tell us briefly about your career start to finish. Well, thank you, sir. What a privilege to be on the show. I started as a police officer. I was going to college at Oklahoma Baptist University. I, I've been a minister of all things, too, for about 44 years, so I thought I got to pay my way through college. I got a wife and children here so i stumbled into police work and people always ask how do you get into it i sit up late at night watching dirty harry police story and all that stuff it just looked like it'd be fun so i worked five years when i was in college i graduated college brought my wife and three kids at the time and now i have six moved down to the dallas fort worth area to continue my education but i was fortunate to get a job with the best police department probably the most coveted police department to work at in the state of texas is hearst texas h-u-r-s-t Got hired on there December of '85. About two months after we moved there, and stayed on there till Christmas Day of '19. Excuse me, of 2015. And uh, you know, got out of there, and I'd already begun doing something about uh, two years before I got out, maybe longer. Actually, since 2009, we had been putting on seminars to help churches of all things to be prepared for acts of violence. And then, of course, one day we teamed up back in May of 2013. Teamed up with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman in the Bulletproof Mine. So. Now we've combined them both into our sheepdog seminars. So I've been doing those for about four years now. That's awesome, Jimmy. Uh, running around the country. Just just uh, ran up and down the coast of Florida back in January doing seminars down there where you guys are. Well, that's awesome, Jimmy. All right, I'm going to ask you, what's so special about Hearst Police Department? i got to ask that question. 
Well, you know, uh, I saw an article in the paper the other day. I'm sure you know that there are there are Dallas cops that are just leaving left and right yes. over the pay and stuff. So a lot of guys are uh, are having a hard time staying over there. They probably lost 50 to 100 cops in the last year. And it's just a disaster over there in terms of payment and what have you. So they read an article in the newspaper comparing all these departments. And you know, there was the Hearst Police Department right up front with the amount they make every year in terms of pay. So it couldn't have been a better fit for me with a wife and three kids. And just a good command staff, uh, lots of benefits. And, you know, I, I really didn't try to work anywhere else. I just uh, didn't know at the time that I had, you know, landed on a gold mine, so to speak, in terms of just benefits and, you know, good guys to work with. And we have people come from everywhere, Dallas, Chicago, Arizona, uh, to work there because it's just, just a good place. just a good place to work. And obviously when the paycheck is better than the guys next door, you're drawn to that. How big of a department? Keep having, keep having a kid every nine months. It comes yeah. in handy, too. So, <laughs> How big of a department is the Hearst Police Department? About uh, probably 60 to 65. Okay. So you had a long, storied career. And then you got involved with... First of all, I want to ask this question. I get this question to me a lot. I was going to be a priest. I was in a seminary. And I decided that, that the calling, especially celibacy, wasn't for me. And then my parents said, what do you want to do? I said, I want to be a police officer. They almost fell over. <laughs> so people like, how did you go from wanting to be a priest to being a police officer in Baltimore? I said, it was simple. I wanted to help people. Oh, yeah. So is that why you migrated towards police work? When I got into police work, I'd already been in the ministry for six years. And I didn't know if the two would fit. You know, but uh, turned out to be like a hand-in-glove situation. You know, you do want to help people. And I think a lot of police officers are drawn into it, too, because it does portray the idea of a lot of excitement, even though you get into police work, and that's not, you know, not what happens all the time. But I did thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy, you know, being a bright light in the community, getting to help out, creating a lot of programs and stuff. I mean, there's a basketball camp taking place down the road today for my house and uh, that's something that i started as a police officer 25 years ago and they're still doing it so you you see that you get to do a lot of good for the community and uh, i just thoroughly enjoyed that but i i think i probably got into it because of that appeal of excitement okay all right i get it like a good well. way to to make a living without having to work as we often <laughs> yeah, it could be very boring and they go from extreme boredom to a fight for your life in, in a flash so uh there's certainly two extremes to it then you got into counseling churches and preparing for acts of violence. Tell us about that. Well, I got into that. Uh, I was married in a church in 1977, and three years later at this church, a, uh, a man walked in during the morning worship service and shouted, this is war, and he shot 15 people and killed five. And I never thought much of that until time went on, and I got assigned to the crime prevention division of where I worked and thought I should do something for churches. Now, I didn't know initially what I was getting into, but uh, just to jump forward quite a bit, we've had 51 people to die a violent death on church and faith-based property this year, this year in 2017, and uh, we've had over 730 people to die a violent death on church and faith-based property since 1999, which means more people are being killed at church than they are school shootings. And you know, you, so, I wouldn't think of that offhand. It, Unless you it, sit back and start thinking about it. It makes perfect yeah, sense, yeah. especially for people who are unbalanced and people who have a religious extremist point of view. 
and they want to make the names for themselves by doing a mass murder. And that's an area where a lot of people are congregated. So I guess so I'm getting at, Yeah, I, I guess I'm getting is I I wouldn't think of that as being a potentially dangerous area no, for targets, see, but it is. No, I would I would flip that, Jay. I would say anytime there is a group of people that have specific religious beliefs, I believe they're targets. Yeah. I mean, think about a lot of these. When you look at these, when you look at last year, over fifty percent of the sixty-four people that died a violent death, over thirty of them were victims of domestic violence. So we're not talking about like what ISIS does, but when you look around the world, there were a hundred thousand people that were murdered for their faith last year, and that was the second year in a row that Christianity was the most hated people's group in the world. We've lost 100,000 a year since 2005. But in America, we're not seeing that extreme Islamic, you know, uh, radical jihadist mindset. Uh, we've seen a few here and there. Yeah. But most of them are just angry people mad at their wife or they get mad at the preacher. And then there are cases like the one in Oklahoma where a dear lady was attacked inside the church and mutilated to death with a knife, stripped of her clothing, laid in a crucified position, and her hair set on fire. We've just had some very grotesque deaths to happen. They just haven't made the national media like what you saw in Charleston. We were down there two months after the Charleston attacks at Mm -hmm. Mother Emanuel. And that was just, of course, just hatred, you know, bowled over. But uh, the truth of the matter is, and church people have a hard time getting ready for it because they, you know, they have that religious mindset that tells them we're in the house of God. He will protect us. And I don't know where that comes from. I mean, in Nigeria in 2012, a thousand churches were burned to the ground. But sometimes American churchgoers, they don't think these things through. And the religion dumbs them down. That's the phrase we use at our seminars. It dumbs them down. And so I've just been running around the country the last six or seven years, probably driven 75,000 miles and visiting these churches, having these seminars. And now, of course, Colonel Grossman is on board. And we try to wake the churches up to pursue training. Training is what it's all about. I've got a uh, police officer friend who you might remember a couple of years ago, we had two terrorists show up in Garland, Texas, and an old traffic cop took them on. Yeah, that was from quite and, uh, a distance as well. He got him, uh, I believe, with a Well, with he, a uh, he was standing right there. He's a good friend of mine. I went riding with him a few months ago, and he showed me how he did it. I mean, they just uh, showed up, and there he was about 20 feet from them. And he just started walking toward them. Actually, his words were, my training kicked in, and I knew I had to become the aggressor and take the fight to them. So he took the fight to them. And uh, But the whole idea of training, that's that's what we do in our seminars. We're trying to awaken the churches. And we have a lot of police officers. Sometimes 100 police officers will show up at these things because of Colonel Grossman and the Bulletproof Mine. And we want them to hear that story. We're going to start taking this police officer, Gregory Stevens, the one who shot the terrorists. We're going to start taking him with us because he's such an inspiration. He got the Medal of Valor for that and what have you. And, but training is the whole thing, and the church people have a hard time accepting that. Did you find, or do you find, a lot of resistance and reluctance from churches when you go to approach them about this? Well, of course, they sign up. They register for the seminar. They show up. But I can tell you, from 8 to 8.30, by 8.30, they are completely stunned when we show them, here's what's been happening on church and faith-based property. And we don't even have time to get to the sex crimes until that afternoon. That's a whole different story. That's four or 5,000 a year on church and faith-based property. So 
when they show up, they will admit we're just absolutely stunned. We didn't know this was going on. But I usually get those, you know, sheepdog type people that show up that are concerned. Uh, it's not usually somebody on the church staff. Church staff people aren't always real smart about this. They don't understand it and they don't even think about it, many of them. But they're starting to because it's a phenomenon around the country where now, right now, as of today, we're losing somebody every two days. We're having, excuse me, we're having a violent incident every two days on faith-based property. And you bring, mentioned that. I ha, I don't think of that either. Being a police, retired police, I don't think of it, but this has been going on for a very long time because I started going to the back of my head. Violent crimes that happened at churches in Baltimore in the 70s and 80s. Well, yeah, I, I can tell you... History repeats itself, and that's what you're seeing. Now, you're seeing the people dying now just being shot in the service or in the parking lot or in the church office. We had a preacher down here 15 minutes where I'm standing beaten to death with a guitar. We had a man walk in one night in the church and shoot 14, kill seven back in 99. And then, of course, already this year, we've, as I said, over 50 people have lost their lives. So you just, you have to, we tell people, the churches, why can't you love your people enough to protect them? Why do we have to plead and beg with you to do this? Jimmy, is there any common factors in all this violence over the last few years that, that you've found out? Any common thread? I would say, and, uh, it's a year ago. I went to that protest in downtown Dallas a year ago because I wanted to hear these people. And, of course, that's the night they shot four Dallas police officers and killed them and a dart officer. I was there that night. And uh, it's the same thing there that's in the hearts and minds of these people who come to the churches. People are so angry. And they have crossed a line now where violence seems to them to be a viable answer to the questions they have about the people they're mad at or they're mad at the president or they're mad at whoever. But anger is just pushing people over the threshold. I noticed this five years before I retired. People are so mad and they quickly resort to anger now. Used to, you count to three. Now they don't count. Of course, with the media and all the violence, I mean, a, a teenager will see 80,000 people murdered on television before he gets his diploma from high school. So it's just becoming acceptable. And of course, there are 7 billion people on the earth now. So more people are committing crime simply because we have more people. Violence has just become, this is an acceptable answer now. And I'm angry. That's what that guy did that night in Dallas. I mean, he was so hateful. But that's what it is. Just the anger is just driving people to do things that they just didn't, that they they thought about. Now you just go straight to it. Jimmy, are you familiar with the uh, incident in South Carolina? Are you talking about uh, uh, the officer that shot the uh, African-American from about 40 feet away? No, the church massacre. Oh, sir. And I'm, I know the guy's name yeah. who did it, but I won't. I don't believe in giving them any publicity yeah, yeah, yeah. whatsoever. I've, I've, been, uh, I've been inside that church. We did a seminar in that no area kidding. two months well, after it happened. Well, my chief was kind enough to share. He uh, ha- he was just at a social event with the chief of that police department when the tragedy occurred. And uh, this guy actually was involved for over two hours in service with the people that he ended up killing. Yeah, yeah he was there for 50 minutes, to be exact. And uh, I've been inside that room where he killed him at, and I've sat there and talked to those people, like I said, about 60 days after it happened. And he was there. He, uh, you know, he had uh, he had on winter clothing in summertime. He had on a, uh, you know, he had on other things to indicate that something wasn't right. 
Now, I don't know if you know, one of the men killed that night, Reverend uh, uh, Simmons, he usually carried his gun with him, but he left it in the car that night. Unbelievable. And uh, so, yeah, I'm very familiar with that story. And uh, also on our website, sheepdogseminars.com, you can watch the video of Taiwan Sanders. Taiwan is the 26-year-old young man. He's the one that the killer said all of those things to that you heard about. You're mm-hmm. killing our women, etc. Those things were spoken to Taiwan Sanders. And we have a video about him on our website. And he stood up to the killer that night and tried to stop him. But, uh, of course, he shot him, but he shot his aunt. And we know the rest of that. He'd been to that church about six times. He was uh, he was scouting them out. Just another person and, filled with hate. Yeah, and that's what it is. People just get so angry. And that's why we're told, I'm not trying to get religious or anything, but I. that's why the scripture says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Because if you do, if anger begins to fester and grow, and I've seen it with police officers I've talked to also that are just... Uh, and it's just a lot of anger in a lot of people. So you really got to get a grip on this thing before it surfaces or manifests into something that you will pay dearly for. So you're you're retired now. Is this what uh, you're doing full time? Yes, we've been doing these seminars uh, all over the country since uh, February of 2014. We started in Denver. Of course, Colonel Grossman does the Bulletproof Mind four or five days a week. And then on Saturdays, he'll meet us somewhere and... And uh, the other day, we were at Merritt Island, Florida, and West Palm Beach, Oh, we Miami. just missed you. Yeah, we were uh, all over the place. We're trying to get back into Florida. Florida has a lot of violence mm-hmm. at uh, faith-based uh, locations. Been some terrible shootings in Lakeland. And, of course, Orlando, the Pulse Club. Oh, That's yeah. not, a, not a church, but still, people's lives are valuable. We don't care where it is. The Sheepdog Seminar is good for anybody concerned about violence. Well, next time you're in town, you'll definitely have to let Jay and I Absolutely. know. Absolutely. Come see us. We want We want to get together. One of the things that I learned early on as a young policeman, and I remember telling this, people that were in situations, one that comes to mind was a real estate agent doing showing the houses and, and she was attacked. So one of the things that we were taught, and I always said, and I tell my daughters this and I tell my wife this, is that God gave us instincts for a reason. And when those instincts are firing, then there's telling you something wrong with this guy Trust the instincts. If you're wrong, you can always apologize later on. But it might just save your life. And so many people, especially in churches, or you say in faith-based situations, they, they they tend to push that part of them away to well, say, no, that's somebody, not the right no, thing no, for me to do. No, somebody comes into the church, they welcome with open arms. This is another one that's accepting. Mm-hmm. Even like this guy, clearly, in, uh, in, yeah. Char- in, in Charleston, clearly one of the first times we have someone who's mentally unstable is wearing winter clothes in a summer environment. That's a dead giveaway. There's something wrong with them. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned too, John, you mentioned realtors. We've had over 108 realtors murdered since 2008. It's, Over it's dangerous. Realtors Look at this murdered. one. You have real estate agents <laughs> and you have women, that, uh, female real estate agents, that their photo is is advertised everywhere. They're they're throughout the, the newspaper. Yes. They're on television and everything else. And they get a call for showing an apartment or a house. And oftentimes they're by themselves. They're busy. They didn't tell someone they're going to be there. And next thing you know, they're in a house that's vacant with someone who is a serial rapist. And their life is in danger. And and, and we're talking about a mindset, too. Just a few days ago in New York, a lady left a Bible study. She walks out of her church, goes down the street to get on the train, I believe. She's confronted by five men who brutally raped her. This is just a few days ago. And uh, 
So when you're dealing with church people, or for that matter, just your average American, you have to talk something about the mindset. Because if you don't, if you don't think there's danger, or if your faith dumbs you down, you're simply going to assume you're going to be okay. And now we have this lady just having left a Bible study who has been traumatized for the rest of her life. And I know many stories of women. I mean, I told you earlier, 10 to 20 sex crimes a day. Yeah. I'm talking about preachers who've raped young girls on the front pew in the sanctuary. Yeah. I could give these stories till dark. So you have to have that mindset. Something bad could happen. You see it in the scripture. There were places the Bible says Jesus would not go because he knew the men they were looking to kill him. Yeah. I mean, this is Jesus. This is Christ. I'm no pro with the scriptures. I mean, I studied that many, 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 many years ago and have forgotten a lot of it. But there's nowhere where it tells me that that uh, it, turn the other cheek is something we hear quite often. But there's also parts where it says, if I know someone is going to cause grave physical harm to, to my loved ones, I have an obligation to stand up and prevent that from happening. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, King Solomon said 3,500 years ago, he said, a prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. I mean, that's in the book of Proverbs. That's two or three, four thousand, about 3,500 years ago. So a Jim, long time ago. Telling Jimmy, us, what, foresee danger, take precautions. Jimmy, what type of advice and training can you lend to people that are listening to us right now? Well, obviously, depending on your audience, is probably mostly, you know, mostly police work or police officers, I don't know, we didn't talk about that, but to the officers, you know, I uh, and, and I don't want police officers to believe, you know, things that aren't true either. And by that, you know, the, the American public, 76% of the American public respects highly local police. Uh-huh. And there has been a significant increase from 39% to 51% approval rating for the police with a significant increase amongst African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, and young people. So to my brothers and sisters in blue, I would say to them, don't come to the conclusion that everybody's out to kill you. Obviously, you, on the flip side of the coin, be careful where you meet with fellow officers as you're sitting in your car. Nowhere is safe. You're just going to have to exercise more caution. And then to that civilian who just doesn't have that mentality at all, I tell them we have a link on our website that says what's the greatest safety tip in the history of safety tips you click on it and it says wake up yeah you know because if you're asleep you miss everything and if you don't understand the present threat that we're at the fbi told us two years ago isis has a presence in all 50 states and there was a man shot at a church in ohio four years ago by his own son who then waved the gun screaming it was the will of allah right so I don't know what it takes sometimes to wake people up until it just happens directly and personally to them. But you have to develop that mens- uh, mindset, and you have to realize this is the day we live in. We're not going to go back to 1950. We're not going to go back. We're never going to stomp out all of terrorism. And with as many people as we have in the country, 150 million when Kennedy was president, we now have 325 million. Yeah, that's a big We've doubled growth. and added some. That's there quite are too a many angry people, and you can't control these angry people, but you can control yourself and develop that mindset that says, let's act more careful. There's that lady that keeps walking out to the car at night from the grocery store by herself. What are you doing? Tell the clerk to go with you. Just use some common sense. We have 250 people raped 
every day in this country, every three to five minutes, 50 women assaulted every hour. So many of these things are preventable. You've got to use more caution and develop that mindset. You really do have to know what's going on around you. You know, my favorite Bible verse, if I may throw it in, is John chapter 2, verse 25. And Jesus trusted no man. What a wild verse. Most people don't even believe it's there. They have to go look it up. So I guess that's my advice in a nutshell. Uh, good, good advice. Uh, so basically, if I'm not wrong, pretty much anybody can benefit and get some useful information from your Sheepdog Seminars. Am I correct? Yeah, go to sheepdogseminars.com. And, you know, we do these seminars all over the country. And uh, got about six more this year. And then they're starting to fill up for next year, hoping to get down into Melbourne, Florida, and back into Miami. We were in West Palm Beach uh, six months ago. And so we just wait for people to call us and... Uh, feel confident that they can get a good crowd and bring us on. Let me bring Colonel Grossman. Let me bring Carl Chin. Carl was on faith-based property two times when a gunman showed up. And let us show you how to protect your flock. Let us show you how to stop these sex crimes. I live around the corner from a lady named Donna. You don't know Donna, but you've heard of her daughter, Amber Hagerman, for whom we get the Amber Alert. Mm-hmm. And that's my neighbor, Amber's mom. Well, small world. So we just have a passion to protect people. So go to the website, sheepdogseminars.com, and or call me. I'll talk to anybody day or night. I'm retired now, so uh, yeah, I've been busier than ever, but we love helping people. If we can keep some people alive, and we're getting stories like that every week. So all the information will uh, be available on your website, which is sheepdogseminar.com? Sheepdogseminars, or I believe sheepdogseminar.com will get you there, too. All right. Thank you, Jimmy Meeks. Thanks so very much. Appreciate My privilege. It. Thank you, John. That's retired police officer Jimmy Meeks with Sheepdog Seminars. A lot of things to think about there. Definitely. It's just a reminder. We're living in a crazy world, folks. Not only do people on the road answering calls, uh, there's no routine call. I hate that word. You know that. Yeah. But you're sitting there, uh, whatever religious faith you are, and you could be in your in your place of worship, and some crazy lunatic walks in here. But right. uh, you, you, know, you could be a nurse at a hospital, and someone picks that as a target. Uh, just had you that. You could have uh, the real estate agents. That's always been a big concern of mine. And I have a sister who works real estate, and I tell her all the time, think like a bad guy. Think like a predator. Unfortunately. And it goes against our nature a lot of times, because we don't think of things like that. Right. Especially uh, in in the house of God, in yeah. any place of worship, you know, people walk in that they haven't seen before. They're usually sitting there with open arms. Oh, somebody else found our faith. They welcome them. They're not thinking that this guy's wearing a winter jacket in the summer. Right. You know, they're just not thinking that way. And what Jimmy was saying, and and what we all need to do, those that don't practice this in on a daily basis is we have to have that mindset and be aware of our surroundings and one of the good things that that he did kind of hint about is it's not a matter what faith we've had sikhs that were targets we've had hindus we've had christians you have jewish people you have buddhists people who are extreme mentality or extreme thinkers i mean extreme as an extremist ideas and borderline that they'll never be famous they get this idea that if I shoot a bunch of people in a church, all of a sudden I get international notoriety and newspapers are talking about me and television shows are talking about me and my ideology and what I think and my family or where I went to school. All of that. Well, look at uh, the people that went into 9-11, um, the, the Trade Center. Yeah. You know, they think that what they did is going to dance with angels for the rest of their life it's a mindset that they are either believe in or brainwashed to believe in but 
it's scary like as we were discussing about the increase in population increase in population increases the population of radicals yeah. and crazies yeah and they're out there and a lot of great people out there and then uh don't get me wrong i'm not trying to say think like everybody's a threat because they're not but if someone is exhibiting signs to you that are a threat and you should pick up our threat act on them right just be cautious and careful about what you're doing and and look alert look alert where you're going again another good episode of law enforcement Today radio show if someone wants to be a guest it's very easy jimmy meeks was in texas we're here in florida you can call us we can set it up where you can call from anywhere and we can do the interview if you happen to be in south florida in the palm beach county area we can do an in-studio interview which we've done before as well if they people have topics or questions what do they do just contact us. It's really simple. We've made it really easy. If you can remember law enforcement today, it's it's uh, Robert at law enforcement today and Jay at law enforcement today.com. I'm sorry. <laughs> law enforcement today.com. Yeah, the website. And also you can send us a message on Facebook as well. So we'd love to hear from you. And this show as always, it's about you for you. And thank you so much for tuning in today. Until next week, on behalf of Robert Greenberg, everybody associated with law enforcement today i'm john j wiley see ya